Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Hello and welcome to Passports and Postcards. I'm your host, Randall McEwen. I'm honoured to have on the show today, Jeeg Wiles. He is a motivational speaker, TEDx speaker, and a curator of a rather interesting family heirloom. Sit back and listen to a wonderful storyteller, a seasoned traveler. Welcome to the show. Okay, welcome to the show, Jeej. How are you today? Pretty good. And then yourself? I'm doing great. I live just outside of Toronto here, and it's a little chilly. Uh, we don't go out much except for when we have to, so mm-hmm. just trying to stay warm. And I understand that you live just, I would say, for people to uh, picture where you are, you're east of Albany. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the, what is it, the northwest corner of Massachusetts, so five minutes from New York, five minutes from Vermont, basically. As far exactly. away from Boston as you can be. In Massachusetts. I've traveled through those states, uh, spent a lot of time going through the northern, northeast states, and mm-hmm. they are beautiful. So you are in a pretty picturesque area. Yeah, yeah. We're the same way about the weather. It's it's sunny out today, but it's, you know, about 10 degrees out there, but we consider this a nice day for winter. Well, we find that a little deceiving. The sun's bright and sunny, and you're like, right. oh, yeah, let's go out. And then you're like, okay, don't, let's not. Yeah, exactly. Now, you have an interesting story about the character behind you there, and we'll call him Captain Ahab, but there's more to the story other than just him. So I'd like to start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I grew up um, under the ter- under the care of my grandfather and uncles, who were his naval war buddies, basically, comrades. And every summer, I spent a lot of time with them. And I'm the second caretaker of Captain Ahab, and they were his first. So I grew up hearing all of these adventure stories about the captain and these uh, men who met through the Navy and continued their brotherhood through connecting their five families as we all grew up. So the idea was, if I remember correctly, after doing a little bit of research, was before going to battle... It was customary, or they believed it was customary, to take a garden gnome or something like that with them and hold it on the ship. And when they were finished their duty, they would return it back to the rightful owner. For some reason, he didn't find his home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, everybody, it, anybody that served that night before your first tour and you're out at the local pub or whatever you're doing the night before, you know, you're a little antsy and nervous and, you know, you just, you can't think clearly. So one of the officers told him about this common military prank, which was to commandeer something from the town and basically have it distract you by, you know, giving it a life, making a scrapbook about the tour you were on, pretending you were living it through whatever possession you brought with you. And yeah, they, uh, they, I say, fortunately got quite inebriated and a year and a half later, when they got back to the port, they couldn't remember the most important detail, which was the address and location from where Captain Ahab came from. 
which turned their prank into a lifetime reason to keep their camaraderie alive. So Captain Ahab has been to war and returned. Mm -hmm. Has there been any other scary situations where you thought you might lose him or he just might disappear somewhere? (laughs) There's been a few instances. Um, I've propped him on a few things on windy days and He's taken a tumble. Luckily, nothing too bad. Um, his the nose sort of damage you can sort of see. It's a little flatter than you can than you can see. But uh, that's from all the flights we've taken and him being tossed around on luggage uh, car- carousels and things yeah. like that. Um, but the most dangerous time where I almost lost him, we used to go to a lot of beer festivals and interact with people there. And the the liquids made them a little braver about how they wanted to interact with Captain Ahab. And he kept, you know, inching away from me with certain people. And then he almost made it into the back of another vehicle before we caught some, caught him. But other than that, he's, he's lived a pretty adventurous, but very safe uh, and pampered life. I would say for a long time. I understand you used him sort of as a social connection in university People will want to come by and have their picture with him and maybe even create their own stories so they could carry on with their families. Yeah, exactly. So he's played many roles. He, you know, served in the military and the Navy. He's, you know, been obviously been a lawn gnome, but he, he was my social mascot or the university I went to social mascot, basically. Mm-hmm. And now he's turned into a motivational speaker slash traveler. But yeah, when I acquired him at 19, um, I was at university and he became our dorm room doorstop and anybody that was curious enough to ask, we would trade him the story that was growing every day, every year for a picture in return with Captain Ahab and whoever was listening. And slowly over the years that, you know, a couple pictures on the wall turned into hundreds. And by the time I was done at university, I think there was over 2000 pictures of the couple of road trips we went on and mostly all the people we had met through the rumor mill that, you know, happens at college with a bunch of kids hearing it, you know, his story was much bigger than it actually was back then, just because everybody would make up stories and, you know, the game of telephone basically where they have. And did you, during your journeys, did you find that um, having Captain Ahab helped you make those connections along the way? So I, I didn't, I noticed completely in college, but I always thought it was just because of the age range of the people that were around me. I'm like, everybody's curious and learning about themselves and, you know, educating themselves and finding out what they like. So I just thought everybody, that was the natural state of your mind in college. But then we, we went on a cruise to celebrate leaving college. And I noticed that it was every age range that was curious and every background. It didn't matter where you were from or how old you were, anything. It was just everybody had a story to share, whether it was that family reunion that reminded them of our story or military service or just friends that did a silly trip with a, you know, a little stuffed animal over the years or, you know, traditions and things always come up and people want to share these stories because the curiosity that comes from wondering why I'm carrying such a large object with me. Now, you speak of motivation, and you talk about the life that Captain Ahab has lived and how people 
to not let anything stop them from living their lives. So how do you use that to motivate people? Well, everybody has excuses why they're not doing things. And we try to point out that if you make the same excuse as a reason to do that thing, it's just as easy to do as not doing it. And showing people that like whatever your excuse is or that burden, like how much could it possibly weigh compared to Ahab? He is physically 43 pounds. And that's the burden that I carry from this family legacy that I have. But I'm so passionate about it that you will not find me at the back of the pack when we're hiking somewhere or anything like that. It's, it just doesn't feel like that much weight on my shoulder because I know whenever my time as caretaker is up, I am leaving another chapter or a whole book essentially mm. to the next caretaker and adding to this ongoing story that hopefully keeps going from generation to generation. I really appreciate that. And the fact that you are helping people by showing them that no burden could be as great as the one of you having, like you said, backpack like Captain Ahab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be a pretty big backpack. So most of the time, depending on the, on the trip, I sort of carry them on my shoulder like this, like an eighties boom box almost. Wow. If you get that <laughs> reference, that's yeah. my favorite reference to use. But lately, and I know I'm sure we'll talk about sort of what's next at some point, but as a little teaser, we did just get a backpack and I've been hiking for the last year and training to go to Mount Everest in May. I should say just the base camp of Mount Everest. We're not, you okay. know, I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be able to come back. Right. Exactly. So yeah, we did structure a backpack that we're using and it's, it's making them even physically lighter now. So there's so many ideas over the last couple of months that have been coming up about all the adventures that have sort of opened up now that we've found the right piece of equipment. So you have traveled with them. Are there uh, any specific travel places you've been to that stand out? Oh, so many. Um, and, and it's not always like a lot of people get excited about like the whitewater rafting or skydiving or, mm. you know, we trek through Patagonia for four months down in Chile, which was amazing. But honestly, one of my top 10 is when we went to the New York Comic Con, New York Comic Convention. It was just so it was a different just walk of life for me. Like growing up, I had a lot of like I I was a gamer with my friends and things yeah. like that. And you slowly sort of you know, everybody fades out of that in a way. But when we went there, they're, they're just as outgoing and exciting in a different way. You know, we don't have to be doing something adventurous or hiking 20 miles. They're, you know, completing these achievements and, and feats in their own way or the cosplay that they use. It's just, I, I bring it up all the time. It's just amazing the community that they have and how strong it is. It's, it's somewhat in some ways stronger than some of the outdoor communities that I've seen. And I think that's true. I've seen, I've been in different cities in where they've been celebrating Comic-Con and the, especially on transit, the people mm -hmm. are in full costume yeah. and people might be staring at, they don't care. They're having fun. They're, right. they're doing something that they're passionate about. And the whole thing is about the journey, the experience, the memories. Mm -hmm. So they're not worried about what others think. They're just trying to live their life. And, yeah. and I think that's what I find very interesting in the message you're trying to tell people is tear down those walls. Don't care what people think. If long as you're not hurting anybody, just go and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I growing up, I heard a lot of stories around campfires and things like that. And I was always looking 
sort of, I was always curious what my story around the fire was going to be. And I, I never thought it would be this, believe <laughs> it or not. But one of those stories that I heard a lot was about how, you know, it, the main topic of the whole thing or, or takeaway was there's always somebody building a taller wall and you just have to build taller ladders and that's, that's and that's it. And I, I think society as a whole, well, I shouldn't say as a whole, but there's a part of society that, uh, you know, actually pigeonhole someone into a certain, how they see them. Mm-hmm. And they preach that on them and they believe, then the people be, believe that's who they are. And again, as you said, they build that wall. And a person like you, you build that ladder. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about uh, future plans. And one thing you did mention was Base Camp Mount Everest. And you've been training for that. How's been the training going? Not too bad with that backpack. We, we have uh, Mount Greylock. It's the, the tallest mountain in Massachusetts in our backyard, essentially. And just the, the duration, elevation, how steep it is, everything um, is almost perfect, I would say, for training for Everest. Besides the altitude being mm-hmm. much, much lower, it's just the perfect training grounds. And I've been selectively trying to bring one or two people on the hikes just for the conversation and things, but because of COVID, obviously the, the group and camaraderie part of the training isn't what it should be, but, but yeah, it's been a, it's been pretty amazing training for it and training for it in my hometown. I don't, I didn't need to go anywhere to do it, which is the amazing part too. In a podcast I did the other day, we were talking about just that, you know, like people can't travel. But we say, yes, they can because they have a backyard. They have a local city or town that they may want to explore. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do it in group. They can do it on their own. Um, I know here, specific area where I live, there's a lot of parks and we have uh, provincial parks and uh, national parks. Mm-hmm. But we also, we're, we're not too far from the country. So there's little towns that people just, you know, they never knew they exist. So I encourage people to get out and discover their local area a lot of people have well most people i know i should say my immediate circle uh they're like to get on the big birds and fly overseas or down the caribbeans or there are some people that i know that are my age that really haven't left the city and i'm like there's so much of the world to see Mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give someone like that who Basically, for they, they'll come up with any excuse to say they can't travel, whether it's time, money, obligations. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would give that advice? Well, I think you, you basically just said the solution as you were asking the question. I, I think a lot of it is like start in your backyard and then do that, you know, a town park or state park that's you know, 30 minutes outside of the, of your town or things like that. And just slowly uh, expand your, your circle your comfort zone of where you want to travel, or you can just rip the bandaid off and say, you know, I've always wanted to go kiss the Blarney stone in Ireland. So I'm going to do it type of thing. It's one way or another, but I think, you know, taking five minutes a day to slowly, you know, just poke at that comfort zone you have or whatever the excuse is, eventually, if it takes you you know, if it takes 
three hours total to get past it, even chipping away a couple minutes at a time, eventually you are going to get past it. So just keep pushing yourself little by little. These don't have to be drastic changes or anything, but just, you know, you can go, nobody knows what's in their area. You almost have to go to the tourist like center in your town and you're like, oh my gosh, this is five minutes away from here or yeah. things like that. You never think of like the little parks or little attractions that you have. We had a relative come from England and taken them on a tour of Toronto and discovered things that I didn't even know. And I've, you know, grew up here and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, right. but now I know of those places. I've been there two or three times, just check places out. And mm -hmm. so when I do have people come in, I know not necessarily the, what we would call the touristy places, but local places that are good to take people to so they can actually experience a city like Toronto, which is very multicultural. Mm -hmm. So you get a taste of all the worlds, just move from one neighborhood to another. We've been locked up for a long time and it looks like uh, Captain Abe's looking ready to uh, go on a trip. <laughs> How's he been handling the uh, lockdown and how have you been handling the lockdown? So honestly, I, I feel bad even talking about it because this COVID's besides the not traveling part, which is obviously I've sort of barricaded deep in my mind. And I try not to think about that. We haven't left in over a year, but it's just opened up other things. We looked at sort of the bu the bucket list that we've had or that we have for yeah. my lifetime anyways. And we've just, so we just traded projects. So there was one we wanted to do this year, but since we can't, we moved it to like three years from now and drag some of those ideas forward. So starting by the end of this month, I am going to be um, melting silver. We built a shop out in the, in the garage here. And we're going to start making Ahab's like own pirate treasures. So they'll be stamped with his logo and it'll just be like pure silver coins and things for his treasure chest, essentially. So that hobby always, I always thought after I physically couldn't carry him anymore, I would need to somehow stay involved. And that's when I would start that. But like I said, since COVID happened, we just, we sort of dusted off that notebook and said, you know what, why not just start it now? We, we just, bought a house and the garage was, it's not really a garage, but we fixed it up to be a shop instead. And we're going to start his, you know, treasure chest filling basically. Able to pivot because of things beyond our control, which makes us better people. For myself, uh, just to give you a little bit about me, I was in the travel industry for seven and a half years had the pleasure to travel overseas, also the Caribbean, all through the United States and Canada. But because my my clients were not traveling, business sort of just stopped. Mm -hmm. So I decided what better way to use my time. I can't really go anywhere. So I figured the podcast would be a good idea to keep people dreaming about travel. Into that led me writing a, a book, a short book, short uh, stories about two of my last travels. Have you decided to maybe write stories about your trip with Captain Ahab? So I've, over time, it's always been, so my grandfather and, and uncles, his comrades there, they weren't big on pictures. You know, in the 40s, one person might have had a camera on the carrier or something and, you know, growing growing up over the years or them getting older, they just, it wasn't something they had in their pocket. So they, they were more about the stories they told. 
And then when I took it, it was more about sort of showing that we did these things just through, you know, still pictures. Um, but lately, yeah, we've been, we've been documenting a lot of it, or I go through the old albums and things and I write down memories and, and things. And I am trying to piece together what would be something halfway relevant and halfway entertaining for people to sort of see the, the, the behind the scenes of this whole story. But, and we we're also thinking about like a, maybe a coffee table book where it's just less words and more just you, you laugh or smile or something at the pictures. Cause they're just, you, you almost can't fathom when you see them just poking his head out places, you know? Yeah. I have seen some of that stuff and uh, it is, it brings a smile to my face. And uh, as I said, just looking at him reminds me of my grandfather. He, uh, as you've been traveling across, I guess, United States, and have you been to other parts of the world? Yeah. So we started in the U.S. because I thought before I left, I should know where I come from. But the farther you get away from where you started, the more you realize that this country is so big that it's very different all over the place. It's almost like eight different countries in itself. And we, we just don't recognize that. So I, I thought learning where I was from in this, you know, the United States would be a good first move. And the more I traveled, the more curious I got because I just learned so much more that was so much different. But after that, we went, we have kissed the Blarney stone. Uh, we went up to Sweden for a little bit, hung out in Stockholm and went to all the, the parks and, and beauty that they have up there. I mentioned Chile earlier. We lived there for four months as we trekked through Patagonia. Um, and then we briefly lived for three months in British Columbia. When I was younger, I, I dated a Canadian from there. So we were on the other coast of Canada. And just like, I'm sure, I don't know how you describe it, if you've ever been there or anything, but it's well, it's a much bigger version of basically the the wonders of the wilderness that we have on the East Coast, basically. It's just so much grander out there. Yeah, one unique thing about Vancouver for those people that do get a chance to travel there is you have the best of the city life. And as my nephew lives there, he will work all day and jump in his car and head up to Whistler. Yep. And spend some time skiing. Uh, depending on the time of year, he'll come back down and play some beach volleyball. Mm -hmm. So it's the best of all worlds there. And if you get a chance to get across to Vancouver Island and get over to Victoria, beautiful place over there as well. The islands, even the coastline going up uh, towards uh, Alaska, mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful parts. And I was fortunate enough to get out there. I do have family that actually live in Vancouver, but I also have family live up what's called the Sunshine Coast. Mm -hmm. And what I like about their place is they... They bought it and built it specifically so that it overlooks, well, I call it a fjord. Um, and it's just so beautiful and peaceful and quiet coming from a large city like this. I don't really have been in that experience where it's very quiet. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy that once in a while when you can get away and it's away from the traffic. Mm -hmm. As we come near an end of this here, I'd like to ask you a question. You've done a lot of travel. Captain Ahab has done a lot of traveling and he's probably got a lot of stamps on his passport. Mm -hmm. What best travel advice can you give people just from your own experience? Um, I, as I get older, the more the as I get older, the more I've been looking into like what I should know about a place before I go. 
when I was younger, I would just sort of pack a bag and say, you know, I, I'm flexible type of thing. But I'm starting to understand the importance of certain courtesies when you're in other countries or just things that could easily be resolved before they happen type of thing. And I find the more you know about a place, and I don't mean like having every five minutes of your itinerary, no. you know, planned out or anything like that, like, you know, leave room for surprises, but just, you know, knowing how to say hello, please, thank you, those kind of things when you're traveling or just knowing when you're somewhere else, people want to brag about where they're from or the place you're in. And if you just say hello, they will say so much more back. You know, if, especially with Ahab, everybody, you know, lets curiosity get the better of themselves. And I get to see the best version of every single person because every conversation is genuine because they actually want to share things with us. And then in return, they don't even know what we're going to share, but they definitely get something out of it. So I would say just keep talking to strangers because you never know what kind of friends you're going to make. I would say if Captain Ahab could speak all the stories you could tell. <laughs> I think if I could hear him speaking, I'd have to stop traveling with him. I think or that's stop working. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I just think that it's a wonderful story. Uh, it's what you're doing in carrying on the memory of your grandfather is amazing. I'm glad that um, Ronica was able to put us in touch. And we had this conversation to share with people that tear down those walls, take that first step. If you're afraid of traveling, at least try your own backyard first, explore your own country first, then make the big step and start visiting. The world is so big and there's so much to see. And one thing I would say is from my travels and you're probably from your travels is the more I travel, the more I appreciate what I have at home. Mm -hmm. It is one of those things. Every time we travel, I feel like the more I travel, I realize the less I know. And when I get home, it's just your eyes are open to that much more, which makes what you know that much less, I feel like, in, in, in some ways. But yeah, it's just, it's been crazy every time we go somewhere and come home. I, I have that same feeling. Like I've, I've been in my whole town, give or take, my whole life, but I've experienced a lot of places in the world and there's not enough time in a lifetime to see the whole world. And even if you do see a place 10 years later, that place is not the same place you were in. So you could go back to the same places and it's still the memories you have are something only the people that were there have that experience. There's no recreating these things. That's, that's correct. And I, I think when people do travel, they need to, for their own sake is sort of record it, either if they write it down, mm -hmm. take pictures, video that way. You always, you always hear people say, oh, I've seen too many travel photos. But the photos aren't really for your friends to see. They're for you to look back on and remember the good times, the experiences you've had. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for coming on today and taking the time out. And I know Captain Ahab has a busy schedule, so I appreciate <laughs> him stopping in. And uh, this has been a really good conversation, so I thank you. No, no, thanks needed. All the thanks is on my end. I appreciate every single person that wants to have the conversation. It's, it's a joy for me. I've, you know, told the story thousands and thousands of times now, and I have not once told it as a feeling like a chore ever. So I know that I'm doing something at whatever level it is. Sometimes it's hobby. Sometimes we're speaking places, but every single time it's, it's just, I enjoy meeting every single person that wants to hear it. So we appreciate it too.